0: Hi, I'm Matt Pacilli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. Our guest this week has achieved what many of us aspire to, which is succeed in all levels of amateur events, play college golf, and now play professionally. We're talking with back-to-back VSGA Women's Amateur Champion from 2012 and 2013, UVA grad and Symmetra and LPGA Tour player Lauren Coughlin. Lauren grew up in Chesapeake, attended the University of Virginia, and has called Charlottesville home since graduating while managing a schedule on both tours. She has a unique sponsorship deal with the team at No Laying Up, and despite having great success in many VSGA events, there's still one title that eludes her. We spoke while she was driving back to Charlottesville from Florida, so the audio may get a little choppy at times, but it's not that bad. Okay. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Lauren Coglin. Lauren, you know, for a lot of folks here in Virginia, we know who you are and know of your records and follow you in your playing career. Um, but when you're in an elevator or talking with a pro-am partner, how do you introduce yourself?
1: Um, I say that I let them know I'm Lauren Coughlin. Um I'm from Chesapeake, Virginia. But I currently live in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I went to UVA, so that's why I'm still there. My husband works there, so we still live in Charlottesville area, which is awesome. We basically never left. I was an All-American at UVA and ACC Player of the Year. Uh, I turned pro in 2016, 2017, and I've had LPGA status since 2018. It's kind of the main gist of what I say. So
0: you grew up in Chesapeake how did you how did you get started with the game
1: Yeah so I guess technically I was born in Minnesota but I moved to Virginia when I was 10 years old so I really I've lived in Virginia most of my life so I, I pretty much just say I'm from Virginia um, but yeah my dad and my grandfather and my uncle pretty much all the men on my dad's side are really really big golfers love golf and so my dad just started taking me when I was about take me to the driving range with him when I was about six years old, seven years old. And yeah, he just kind of, just it was kind of an, an excuse for him to be able to go to the golf course himself and bring me with him. And kind of the rest is history. I grew up playing at the first tee in Virginia Beach. That's kind of where I played in like my first real tournaments so when I was like 11, 12 years old, that that age range. And any, you know, VSGA one day events, those type things as well. I grew up playing in all of those.
0: Where did you play in and around Chesapeake and Virginia Beach? Do you recall some of the others?
1: Yeah, so my dad joined Greenbrier Country Club in Chesapeake, Virginia, I think when I was about 12 years old or so. And he was a member there until I graduated high school. And my parents moved to Houston, Texas right after I graduated high school. So not a member there anymore, but still know a bunch of people down there. Um, some of the members, you know, that it had been a member that's been members there for forever. I still mm-hmm. keep in contact with, so it's, that's still my home. And, um, a lot of really, really good memories there. You know, all of my, all of my, I guess you can say, you know, things that I did, you know, breaking a hundred for the first time, breaking 90 for the like all of those milestones I hit at that golf course. So, really 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 good memories
0: there. Yeah, what were some of the I'm, you know, thinking about those memories and sort of those those experiences that get a child hooked on golf. You know, what do you recall of those experiences of going out with your father? How sort of how did he steer you one way or another to grip the club or stand this way versus Hey, just have fun and move the ball any way that you, you know, sort of see fit.
1: I think he was kind of um, a combination of both. You know, he was definitely wanting to make sure I had fun and that I was doing it because I wanted to do it. But at the same time, he kind of knew that he, while my dad was, it still is like a very good golfer. Um, like when I was in high school, I'm pretty sure he got down to like a one or two handicaps. So when he was playing all the time, cause I was playing all the time, but he knew that he wasn't, like, a teacher, and so he would get me lessons from any, like, type of local local person. A couple of the pros at um, at Greenbrier one or, once or twice, you know, got some lessons from there. And then I got – he started – he took me to Butch Liebler, who um, is kind of a, you know, legend down in the Virginia Beach, Chesapeake area in terms of coaching. And so yeah. – that was kind of more, he knew like that he wasn't going to be the type to really get my swing or anything like that. He knew the basics, but he knew his limitations as well. He read a lot of books, still reads a lot of books. I think (laughs) still trying to give me tips all the time.
0: That's so funny. I have not personally met Butch, but I, Mm -hmm. when I lived in the Norfolk, Virginia beach area, for about five years, and had played and practiced at Virginia Beach National, Mm -hmm. knew of Butch, and Mm -hmm. gosh, I mean, I was probably there at a time when you could have been working with him um, at a time, but, you know, and I remember when a guy who I worked with, and we were not in the golf industry at that time, but I remember when he felt like he needed to up his game, and I remember him coming to me and saying, I'm getting lessons with Butch and it was like a big it was a big deal it was awesome oh,
1: yeah. yeah for sure I mean he kind of had a hand in all of the like the top players at one point or another I think when I was in high school and stuff whether they were the juniors or the top ams in the area at one point if they weren't seeing them they definitely had at one point
0: you played in a lot of events and you've played in a lot of VSGA events. Um, you won the 2012 and 2013 Women's AMs. How did, apart from those though, how did VSGA events get you prepared for college golf to say, yes, I want to pursue college golf and pursue you know, competitive playing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say just playing against always playing in tournaments is always a good thing. And I would say that I had a lot of girls that I played with, you know, growing up that went on to play college golf. And so I was always having really good competition. And um, I mean, just the junior events, This the state junior was the one that I never won. I came in second three years in a row, my like my sophomore, junior and senior year, which still to this day really bothers me. It's like the one level I didn't, really win at mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I won the, the am and the stroke play and then I won in college I've won a Smetro event so it's the one that's still to this day like I know I was the best player in the state it just like a different girl every year just got me this so <laughs> <laughs> is <was just> unfortunate
0: <laughs> and so tell us then about taking your game to college into college golf at UVA
1: yeah so I graduated high school in 2011 and I went to University of Virginia under Kim Llewellyn and uh, Brian Bailey and I redshirted my first year I was a very very late bloomer and they knew it and they saw a lot of potential in me but they kind of knew I was going to need a year just to kind of get my wits about me and they, want, they were Kim and Brian kind of became my swing coaches as well just because partly because my parents you know, weren't in Chesapeake anymore. And so I wasn't ever really going back there. So it wasn't really like that. I didn't want to stay with Butch or anything, but I just, I was never going down there. And so like Kim and Brian, they like kind of not rebuilt it or anything, but just refined it, I would say. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that year was really hard. I mean, college was a lot harder than I thought. School was a lot harder than I thought. Um, You know, I was missing a lot of my friends. I was only, I was going to Houston instead of Chesapeake where I knew nobody. And so that wasn't very fun. And yeah, I mean, it's a lot. College was a lot, but I stuck with it. And by my fourth and fifth year, I was on full scholarship. And yeah, I mean, Kim and Brian, you know, they pushed me when I needed it. And definitely am not the player I am today without them.
0: Talk a little bit about winning the 2012 and 2013 Women's Am, VSGA Women's Amateurs.
1: Oh, yes. The first one, for sure, like, I remember um, that was the summer after my freshman year, and I had kind of told Coach like that I really wanted to win that. I, I had always wanted to win it, and I was playing pretty well, I guess, coming into it, and then I don't know, it just, the golf course really clicked and everything was kind of going really well. And I ended up having to play um, Elizabeth Brightwell, another uh, one of my teammates in the finals and just kind of never really, it just never, everything just kind of seemed to go my way. And my husband caddied for me, I think, I don't know if he, my boyfriend at the time, but now husband, I don't, I can't remember. I know at one point he was caddying for me, like, throughout the week, but he played football at Virginia. And so he had to go back. He could only come for a day or two. And yeah, it was it was an incredible feeling. I, I'll never forget it. Either one. The second one, my dad was there with me. So that was really, really cool, too. Um, but yeah, no, it was something that I had always wanted. Like, I grew up dreaming of winning it. And so it really meant a lot.
0: The first win in 2012 was at the Golden Horseshoe Gold Mm -hmm. Course. And the second one in 13 was at Country Club of Virginia, Tuckahoe Creek Course. At what point in your college career, and maybe it's after 2012 or after 2013, those victories are you saying to yourself, I really want to pursue playing professionally. What sort of tipped that for you?
1: Yeah, I would say it really didn't happen until I had um, my fifth year. Um, I mean, I, I knew I was a good player, but professional golf, I also knew how difficult professional golf was, not just like in terms of the, the playing, but how financially difficult it can be. And so I, I until my fifth year, I really didn't think I wanted to do that. I didn't think I was good enough to make it worth it to go try. And then my fifth year... I was All-American and ACC Player of the Year and won the ACC Championships. And so I was like, wow, like, I actually am, like, really good at this. Um, I think it, it would be – I would regret it more not going and, like, giving it a shot and seeing how much better I could get than if I didn't do it. And so, I mean, I had, I had my parents behind me, my – husband my fiance at the time behind me my coaches everyone was behind me and so they were all willing to make the sacrifices you know to let me go do it and they still do to this day and i'm really glad that i did even though it's very difficult and i've had had times where i wanted to quit but i stuck it out and um i'm enjoying it more and more every year
0: Tell us about life on – you're primarily playing on the Symmetra Tour. Is that is that accurate right now?
1: Um, it was, but I made the cut in Hawaii, in the LPGA Hawaii event um, a couple weeks ago. And so I should after, – after Kings Mill, they reshuffled a priority list, and I should be full LPGA after that the rest of the year. Oh, that's – So – That's fantastic. That was, that so was kind of – yeah, that's, that's – <laughs>
0: What, what new, what new exciting things does that, does that bring? Like, how does, that's amazing. That's awesome. How does that, how does that make you feel?
1: Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, My husband came to Hawaii with me, um, which he hadn't done in 2019. I still, I had a similar status that I do now where kind of Hawaii is one where I can just kind of circle that I'm going to get into for sure. And so he kind of had wanted to come to that one in that year. But then it just kind of, I ended up not really getting into the tournament until it was too late. And then obviously flights and stuff get really expensive. And so he didn't come. And then he was going to come again last year, but then COVID happened. And so there was no Hawaii tournament. And so this year I was just like, look, if you're going to come, you should come. Like, it would be awesome. You can work anyway. Like, you already can work remotely since you've been doing it for the last year like you should totally come and so he did and I was really really glad that he did come because I played pretty well the first day I shot two under and which was going to be like kind of right around the cut line and so i um, we're I'm I was a morning tea time the first day so I was an afternoon tea time the second day and so that that morning was rough just like from an anxiety level and knowing that like if I make the cut, I can, I'm like set, you know, for the rest of the year. And so it's a lot of pressure and we're driving to the golf course and I, I look at him I'm just like, which he already could tell, but I was like, I'm extremely anxious right now. Like mm. I'm really stressed. I really want to make this cut. You know, I might've had a few tears and he was able to, you know, once I said it out loud, I felt a lot better and it kind of went away, but he, he definitely was there it was nice that he was there and I didn't have to, you know, do that over the phone. He was able to give me his little pep talk that he always does. And
0: then I went out and
1: shot three under that day to kind of make the cut by a couple shots. So it wasn't even really a big deal. And yeah, so it was, it was awesome. It was really cool that he was there, there with me.
0: Oh, Lauren, that gives, that gives me goosebumps to hear that. Cause I think, <laughs> You know, a lot of us and and me as being a mediocre type of player, certainly as it goes in a conversation with you, you know, those afternoon tea times, the day of a cut, especially after a good first round, um, they're difficult. And so it's really fascinating and insightful to hear how someone at the highest level deals with that. Or sort of doesn't deal with that, but just says, this, hey, this is what I'm going through. Like mm-hmm. That's special. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that I've definitely learned over the, you know, the past few years. It's just like bottling up is not the option or it doesn't work. You know, kind of just even just saying it and getting it out. Like, I feel so much better if I do that. Yeah. Um, but I, I was kind of holding it in, and eventually I was just like, "I just gotta say it." I feel like I can feel it in my chest. Like I'm just so anxious, and so yeah, no. But again, I'm glad that he was there, and I didn't have to just make that phone call like I have done before. But
0: <laughs> so, what does that mean for you now for the for the rest of the year? How do you approach the schedule for the rest of the year?
1: Yeah, so I'm in Kingsmill, which is in. I guess a week and a half from now, it's on, it starts on the 20th of May um, and the reshuffle is right after that. And so I'm pretty much I'll get into I'll have two weeks off and then I'll play uh, the LPGA Meta Heal in San Francisco. And then I go to the Meyer, which is in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then I'm pretty positive I'll get into KPMG, which is the following week as well, which is the year's second major. Or I guess actually, it'll be third major because the US opens before that. Um, and then it's Dallas the, the next week after that. So, I mean, I'm just kind of going to keep playing until I feel tired. Normally, I don't like to play more than like three in a row. Mm-hmm. But just with how, you know, I have only been able to play in two tournaments and, and I'm kind of behind a lot of the people, I'm just kind of going to keep playing until I feel like I'm either mentally exhausted or physically exhausted.
0: So right now you stand I looked a little while ago you stand at something like 17th on the Symmetra Tour money list. Mm-hmm. And so where do you stand on the LPGA Tour list and and sort of what your what do your goals become for the remainder of the year?
1: So I think I mean, I don't know the exact number. It shouldn't probably change anything before Kingsmill, just because they're over in Asia right now. So if you're in Asia, you're most likely ahead of me, anyways. <laughs> but uh, I think my number is like one. I think I'm like on the season list, like 122 or 123 or something like that. Um, top 100, keep their card, and so obviously that's going to be the goal. But I really, I'm trying to going to, I'm going to try to make my goal a lot higher than that, mm-hmm. just because. You know, I think the, I think it was Brooks who said, you know, Brooks Koepka said like when he was thinking about making cuts, he was always around the cut line. And then once he started thinking about making top tens, that's when he started being around the top ten a lot. And then once he started to think about winning, like trying to win, that's when he started, you know, really breaking through. And so just thinking about being top 100 just doesn't feel like a, a high enough goal because it shouldn't be the goal. So I think my goal is going to try to be um, to get into all the Asia events at the end of the year. So probably like try to be about top 60 on the the event standings, get into the CME, which would be awesome as well. So if if I can do that, you know, I, I, I will have no issue keeping my card.
0: That's great. Well, I can tell you that so many of us here are pulling for you because it's really exciting to have the connection with you, but to see the, the, the really cool things that you're, that you're doing and the, the great play that you've had, Uh, in your career uh, with the 2018 win and then you've had all top 20s it looked like um, this year so far on the Symmetra tour so you know talk a little bit about what life is like on the tour week in and week out and getting to know players and things like that
1: yeah it's it's not as glamorous as I think a lot of people think it is just Mm -hmm. in the sense that like I'm not a you know, a top 20 PGA tour player, like even the LPGA tour players, like the top 20 LPGA tour players aren't anywhere close to that level even. Um, so it's not like I'm taking private planes everywhere or anything like that. It's, it's, I'm paying all my expenses throughout a year, which is stressful in and of itself. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm home. I'm not home a lot, you know, I'm pretty much, you can almost, pencil me in for being gone three of the four weeks out of a month, um, from about March through end of October, November. And so that's really difficult. You know, I'm, I'm a homebody and I like being at home, I like being with my friends. I like being with my husband and family. And I miss a lot of things, you know, March, like I said, March through November, um, which is taking a, a lot of time to get used to. Obviously I still don't like it, but I'm used to it now. My husband's used to it. Um, I'm very lucky that, you know, not that he lets me, but he is supportive of what I'm doing and is okay with me me being gone, you know, three three out of four weeks a month and the financial pressure that it puts on me and him as well. Um, So I'm very, very lucky to have him. I've been chatting with Hal Sutton a little bit here the past couple months just because I go to Houston in the beginning of the year and he uh, I've talked to him about that a lot and he says you know to be successful you know you have to have left you have to be you have to have people around you that let you be selfish to be a professional golfer and I'm very fortunate to have my husband my parents my coaches who support me
0: talk a little bit about so you have support now from mm-hmm. the guys at no laying up which yes. I think is probably a way and I've read articles about this that it that it's tipped the people who know of you in ways that people wouldn't have otherwise connected with you but talk a little bit about how that relationship came to be and what that what that's been like for you
1: yeah they basically how it started was is in 2019 they you know, announced that they were going to be doing what they called the Young Hitters program, which was they were going to be sponsoring, like, it was like five or six guys on the Corn Fairy Tour, and one of the of guys, Tron, uh, tweeted out that he, they were thinking about potentially doing, like, LPGA or Smetra Player as well, and so my husband saw that and was like, you gotta message him, you know, you gotta, you need to do this, and I was, I was fans of theirs for sure. Like I love their podcast and, but I did, I knew very, I would say very knew very little about what they were doing outside of the podcast. But my husband was way more into like the videos and stuff that they were doing. And so I mess, I did, I messaged Tron and a few months later, he, he got back to me and was like, let's do this. And so I was gonna be driving through Jacksonville which is where uh, they're all And so I met Tron and DJ at like a coffee shop and we talked for like an like hour and a half, two hours or something. And that was kind of like, you know, handshake deal. And that was it. We were, and now, you know, this was at the end of 2019. And so now I'm almost a year and a half into it. And I would say I'm pretty good friends with most of them now. I actually played golf with um, Solly yesterday, who is the voice of the podcast mm-hmm. and in Jacksonville. Because I'm, again, I'm driving, I was driving through Jacksonville. And so I, and then I got to, I met up with, DJ and Neil and their significant others last night. So no, it's, it's turned into like just being fans to them supporting me to them also like now being like really good friends of me and my husband as well.
0: That's awesome. One thing that I wanted to circle back to is for people who Mm -hmm. do have an interest in learning more about what life is like on the LPGA tour or on sort of tours, but more specifically women's tours. Golf Digest has a podcast called Local Knowledge, and they had an episode that covered some of this, which was very fascinating to hear the amazing and very big differences between what the PGA or even just classify them as men's tours are versus a women's tour, what the differences are in terms of sponsorship and amenities and things of that nature they're they're very very different
1: yeah i mean on symmetra tour i mean if you're top one of the top like 40 girls on the tour you probably are getting your equipment free but outside of that you're probably paying for all of your equipment whereas i mean obviously the men on the pj tour that's not happening and then i think I'm sure it's not all of the corn fairy guys are getting their stuff, but I would say it's a vast majority of them are, are even just get their stuff free. But most of them probably also have sponsorship deals with those equipment companies. And that's mm-hmm. not a thing on the smetra tour for sure. Maybe one or two of the girls do, but I would say most of them just get free stuff, which is still awesome, right? Cause clubs are expensive and everything like that. But just when you compare it, it's, not the same. I mean, on, on this Metro tour, I would say maybe the top 10, you know, break even in the year, mm-hmm. just the top, just the top 10 players probably break even on their expenses in the year. And that's being stingy and staying in host housing and not always staying in hotels or Airbnbs and, you know, driving most places instead of flying. And, you know, it's just not, it's not as easy as everybody thinks thinks it is. And golf's hard, it, it, it beats you down, as I'm sure most of you people know. But I mean, you don't always play good and it's mentally, it can be exhausting. And trying to not let how you perform on the golf course affect you off the golf course is another thing that I've learned. My first couple of years, I know I, I was miserable off the golf course and on the golf course. And was I'm sure I was not very fun to be around those couple years so
0: <laughs> to what degree do you pay attention to the things that have become you know sort of the the money ball stats now in golf your swing speed your ball speed strokes gained things like that how much how much do you pay attention to that and how does that influence anything that you
1: do well I mean I've definitely would say that I've done, I do speed training in the off-season, or I have the last two off-seasons, and it has, you know, it definitely has been a big part of my game. I've started working out at the beginning of the 2019, at the beginning of 2019, which I hadn't done before, and you know, I lost like 30, 35 pounds, and, but I've put on, since then, I've put on 35, 40 yards in distance, and just it's just made the, it makes the game a lot easier. Mm-hmm. and but I have been fortunate that I haven't really lost much accuracy and I think that I'm one of the, the best drivers of the golf ball in terms of I hit it. I'm not the longest, but I'm you know in the upper third and I don't miss very many fairways. Um, I've worked really hard on being able to shape the ball both ways off the tee which has been a huge huge part of the reason why I've been able to stay like keep my accuracy just because I don't come up to the the tee box and look at the fairway and be like oh this one just doesn't fit my fit my eye because I only hit a draw and it's asking me to hit a cut and so that has been huge um but the strokes gain I mean the the numbers are what they are you know the closer you are to the goal, the closer you're going to get it. And the closer you are are to the the goal on the green, the more likely you are to make the putt. It's pretty self-explanatory in terms of like the strokes gained. So I'm always going to be trying to get as close as I can within reason. You know, I'm not going to do any unnecessary risk if there's hazard or bunkers or anything like that. But I will be trying to get as close as I can at all times.
0: Yeah, I think that's... You know, on a personal note, I've been reading uh, Mark Brody's book, Every Shot mm-hmm. Counts. And, you know, at the beginning, I was like, I cannot figure out this algorithm. Like, this guy's way too smart. Like, I don't, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. And then you get to a certain point where it just, all of a sudden, it becomes very clear that the closer you are to the hole, the closer you're going to hit it to the hole, and the more likely you are to make the putt. And mm-hmm. you could say, oh, well... A caveman could have figured that out. Like we've known that since since you know balls and feathers were being hit around with sticks by shepherds. Like that is that's obvious. Well, picking apart a golf course and strategy is a lot of fun, and being able to hit two irons and hybrids is great and is fun. But I mean, these numbers are just they just don't lie, and Mm -hmm. um, it's it's really fascinating. But you know, at the same time, it's still Bryson DeChambeau doesn't win every week. And there's, there's still a level of accuracy and strategy that, that, that has to be a part of it. And all of those things, I I don't know, for me, or what I think just makes golf so special.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's still a lot of different ways to do it. You can still do it the other way. What it really comes down to is just strategy, just not taking unnecessary risks. Like if, if you can hit it down there and there's nothing really, you know, there's no Trees or bunkers or water. and Then, like, yeah, if you're at, in the rough, it's really not going to make that much more difference because you're at least going to have a probably a, a low, a low iron to a, a wedge in, which you're just going to hit it closer than if you lay up in the fairway with a mid iron or a long iron. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just how the numbers work. But at the same time, like he also says, you know, if you hit it in a fairway bunker, you're like almost guaranteed bogey. Right. Like, so <laughs> there's, it's like it's as bad as hitting in a hazard almost. Yeah, like a water hazard hitting it in bunker. So there's there's give and take there.
0: It's a it's a fascinating book, and you can tell that he is a professor and a researcher because you wish you could sit there at a table with a notebook and have someone in front of the class presenting it because it feels like it's a textbook that (laughs) you need to be taking notes with and sort of be getting it from multiple from multiple sides. Yeah, um, I
1: don't use the stroke scene all that much just because the LPGA doesn't have the stats that the PGA does. So mm-hmm. I, I work with um, Mark Sweeney and my college, my former assistant coach, Brian Bailey. They're Mark Sweeney is the founder of Aimpoint and him and Brian have um, a stat system called Gameforge that I use. But I mean, if you talk to Mark Sweeney, it's very, and Brian as well, it's very similar to like listening to Mark Brody talk. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, whoa, you guys, you guys really, really love numbers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We wish you all the best in the rest of the season and hopefully, uh, you know, a safe trip back to Charlottesville, but hopefully we can catch up whether it's at the Pure Silk or another time throughout the season. This has been amazing to hear of your journey and thank you for sharing it with us.
1: Oh, I do want to get. Uh, I forgot to mention in the people that supporting me, my caddy as well. Um, he's stuck by me. I've as about the beginning of last year, I've had the same caddy, which is something that I didn't have early in my career either. And so that was one, one more thing, one more shout out.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Golf in the Commonwealth, and big thanks to Lauren Coglin. I hope you'll take a second and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening, and please rate us and leave a review. VSGA Championship season is here, and you'll need an active handicap index to play in VSGA events. So remember to visit your VSGA member club to renew your VSGA membership for 2021, or visit VSGA.org and renew online. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the fairway soon.